Summit Lighthouse brings you practical spiritual answers and is the open door to sacred mysteries. These teachings, delivered by Mark and Elizabeth Clare Prophet, are compelling, thought-provoking, and timeless. Here are your hosts, Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. And welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on The Open Door. This is the online voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish, promote, and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and where we invite you to awaken to the light within. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Terry Kennedy. Hello, Sid. Hello, Terry. Hello, hello. You know, to put it in a nutshell, ours is a path of action. And the question we would put out to you immediately would be, is there ever a time when believing is enough? Well, I don't, I, I don't know, Sid. Let me just jump in, Sid. I, <laughs> you, know, you can't just think about it. You can't just talk about it. You've, you've got to do something about it, right, so Sid? Great performances don't just happen. <laughs> well, well, not only do you have to do something about it, but believing is, is almost a mental process to a certain extent. It's who you are is what counts. Yes. The, the, who, what you have created in terms of the love in your heart, your being, your world, and how that manifests through action. You know, it's been made pretty clear to us through the Ascended Master's teachings that karma is inexorable. We have to balance every jot and tittle. That's not something that we can simply think about getting rid of. We have to actually do things to get rid of, to balance our karma. You want to maybe expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I, I think it's an understanding that, you know, if, of course, we go back to karma and reincarnation, and if you've done something to someone, whether it's this life or another life, it doesn't matter. If they're in front of you, um, and God brings people to us that we have karma with, then you have an obligation to work to balance that karma. I mean, it's in your own self-interest. And what people do, they become karma dodgers. They run away from these things because there might be a little unpleasant. So balancing karma is crucial. Well, what do you do if you have karma with someone that's not even embodiment? <laughs> yes. well, what you do is you serve others. And by serving others, you can ask that balance karma with those you can't physically interact with. So it all comes back to the plane of action and, you know, action with love is a way you balance karma. Indeed. You know, you know that's an interesting concept. I don't think I've ever heard that or, or thought of that. That's a call... That's a call that somebody can actually make. You know, dear Lord, please help me to balance karma with somebody that's not embodied through somebody that is, and and just guide me to that person. In a general sense, we refer to that as service to life, do we not? Uh Yep, I would guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, um, we've been, in Matthew, I think it says, by their fruits shall ye know them. And elsewhere we read in Scripture, Western Hemisphere anyway, that it is by our works that we are measured, by our works that we are judged, not by our thoughts necessarily. So I'd like to kind of expand on that a little bit too because we talk a lot about what the works that we do are. And these are actions. These are decisions that are put into action that are manifested in our lives. And sometimes if they're not a good manifestation, that's where we get bad karma. When they are a good manifestation, we, we balance karma old or we create good new karma. And it's put up, there's part of our treasures laid up in heaven. I guess what I'm trying to get to is that our treasures laid up in heaven are not a, an accumulation of thoughts, more of an accumulation of deeds. Indeed, the positive aspects end up in our treasures in heaven and the negative ones end up what we call our electronic belt, which is below the waist <clears throat> that has to be resolved. 
But I think it's, you know, when I started on the spiritual path, I think it was a teenager, and um, when I first got into it, I felt all this light, and I was excited, and I thought, gee, all I have to do is sit around, and God pours his light on me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Needless to say, I, I learned very quickly that that is not a spiritual path. God does bless us, but it's up to us to take the initiative. It's up to us to be in the plane of action, because we are responsible for what goes on in this planet. God has given us that authority, and if we don't do anything, we can't complain about things not being the way we like. <laughs> you know, we often talk about being co-creators with God, and this is an aspect of our, our, our day-to-day lives, is that everything that we think, say, and do is animated by God's energy. So the accountability that comes with that, of course, is how we make karma. And if we look at our works as an accumulation of those good decisions, what does St. Germain said? He made his ascension because he made two, two million right decisions. Yeah. You know, this well, is I love, a... I love, too, what Mother Teresa says, you know, we can't do, maybe a paraphrase, but we can't do great things. We can only do small things with great love. Ooh, and I like that. the small things that become the key to your entrance into heaven. Yeah. You know, as we live our lives in this way, with that intention, we're basically living out karma yoga, the yoga of works, the yoga of deeds. And it's not often that we think in terms of yoga in this respect, but I think karma yoga is a great way to capture the essence of what it is we want to do every day, being consciously aware of the decisions that we make, how we use God's energy to create, and the results of those creations that are manifested in our lives. So karma you know, there's, there's, is key. There's a big movement on this planet now for meditation and you know, yoga for the body and so forth, <clears throat> which, of course, the Ascended Masters support that, mastery of the body. But what happens is sometimes people do this for a selfish motive. In other words, it's not to the glory of the God. It's make them feel good, make them feel relaxed, you know, get their body in balance or whatever it is. And those things aren't necessarily bad, but the real karma yoga is the karma of works, and you're healthy and strong to go out and do those things that will make a difference on this planet. It can, you know, everything good that's happened to this planet can be attributed to a very few people. And um, it doesn't have to be great, great things that you're doing in the outer. It's those little things that you do, the kindnesses, when you expect nothing in return. And I had someone say to me once, you know, um, there's no such thing as corporate philanthropy because they always have a motive. And that's not bad. I mean, that's what they're in business and so forth. But you know, they don't hide um, their actions, they publicize them. Well, that's fine, so they get their reward. So as we do things in secret and help others, God will give us the reward. So let's not take our reward on the outer. Let's take it in balanced karma and the affirmation that we're serving our Father and we're serving the light in each other. And I think to summarize that, that we're not working for human rewards, we're working for heavenly rewards. Yeah, you don't necessarily need your name on a chair at the theater or a, a building or, <laughs> or something a pew like that. Or in the church. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. You know, I love, uh, I was remembering a verse this morning. I looked it up. It's in uh, John five seventeen, And that the context of that chapter is where Jesus is healing people on the, the Sabbath. And, of course, the, the powers <laughs> that be went ballistic over this. You know, <laughs> and they wanted to arrest him and do him away. And Jesus answered very simply, my father worketh hitherto, and I work. Oh, and I so think that sums it up. You know, God works. He's not idle. And so we can't be idle either because God is within us. 24 7, 365. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
Well, you know, um, there was part of this process as I was kind of studying this morning before the show, that in looking toward the humble, obedient Sheila's uh, objective of you know gaining heavenly rewards without looking for any kind of pat on the back, that what we're doing basically is surrendering to the will of God. That that takes a great deal of humility and it does takes a certain obedience to the law that we know. But I think in the long run and the short run too, for that matter, is that that's where we find true and lasting peace. That's where well, we now, find. Now wait true a minute, Tom. Joy. God gave me free will. Why do I have to surrender it to Him? <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you can answer that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's very simple. Uh, all our problems are the result of our free will. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, so when you come into life with God's will, then you have the shortest route home, the shortest route to balance your karma, the shortest route to happiness. The will of God protects you. I mean, think about that. It protects you from going off in different directions. Some people get distracted for lifetimes. Not just for a few years, but lifetimes, they go off in the wrong direction, and it takes a very long time for them to turn around and come back. And the simple prayer, not my will, but thine be done, O God, every day will bring you into alignment with that. Now, you may not want some of the things God brings you, because it may be uncomfortable or circumstances dealing with other people, but no, he will not bring anything to you that you do not have to resolve and is not absolutely key to your spiritual growth and progress and balancing the karma you need to do. For a lot of people, there's, there's somebody or some person or a set of circumstances that they have to resolve before they move on simply because they haven't resolved it in other embodiments. And sometimes this may be the 20th opportunity or the 100th opportunity to balance this karma, and we get a habit of fleeing from karma because it's uncomfortable. So don't yeah. flee from your karma, but recognize it as opportunity on your spiritual path. You know, I want to go back to the question you asked a moment ago, because we really did know the answer to that. Is if I surrender to the will of God, what about my own free will? Well, maybe the, the practice there is to surrender our free will to be subsumed by God's will. Is that a fair restatement of what you said? Absolutely. You know, because I think that by aligning ourselves with the will of God, we escape the bonds of attachment and desire. There's there's a liberation there. And, you know, I think that uh, maybe one of the reasons that people do not want to surrender to the will of God is because they have so much of a momentum of rebellion. In other words, if you rebel and rebel and rebel, lifetime after lifetime, small things, big things, you're you're in a a certain rut. And it's going to be hard to get out of that rut. And the best way to do it is just learn the mantra, not my will, but thine be done. You know, last week I think we heard that fear is the genesis of rebellion. In one of the uh, lecture uh, excerpts we heard from uh, Mrs. Prophet, do you remember that, Sid? Is that, uh, I believe it was, that fear leads to I mean, to that rebellion. makes sense. I don't remember the exact quote. Yeah. Anyway, well, you know, I want to go back to our original thesis for today, which is the ours is a path of action. And we want to play with, after the a short break, we'll take in a moment here, I want to play for you a couple of excerpts from the Bhagavad Gita uh, as, as um, read to us, and in some extent, re- interpreted by Mrs. Prophet. It's really a beautiful, beautiful thing. This is a Hindu sacred text, and it talks all about the action, why we want to be active on our path, why this is a path of action, why this is karma yoga at its very essence. So we're going to take a short break right now, but when we do come back, we're going to hear the first of two excerpts from the Bhagavad Gita as read by Mrs. Elizabeth Clare Prophet. So please don't go away. We'll be back in a moment. Thank you. 
At the Summit Lighthouse, our goal is to help you awaken to the light within and discover your real self. Today, thousands of spiritual seekers all around the world are using the universal teachings of the Ascended Masters to make their higher selves a permanent part of their reality. And you can too. The Ascended Masters are the saints and sages of East and West from all major religions and spiritual paths. They have walked where you walk and understand the challenges you face. And their teachings are always practical. By applying the science of the spoken word through verbal prayers called decrees, the masters teach us how to harness the healing power of the violet flame and other spiritual energies to transform our lives and our world. On The Open Door, it is our goal and great joy to bring you Ascended Master teachings that you can apply in your life right now. To learn more about the Summit Lighthouse and the teachings of the Ascended Masters, visit us today at tsl.org and discover how you can awaken to the light within. It's what you're here to do. Remember, tsl.org. Those seeking a higher spiritual path question everything. It is the nature of a spiritual seeker. They look deeply at all world religions and know that there are nuggets of truth within them all. The Summit Lighthouse is a deep repository of spiritual wisdom delivered by the Ascended Masters through their messengers Mark and Elizabeth Clare Prophet. For over 50 years, we have brought seekers worldwide liberating teachings that include the violet flame, the creative power of sound, and a deep personal connection to the Masters of Light. The goal of our show is to bring you timely spiritual teachings that are practical and liberating. For a free download of one of our most popular books, go to www.summitlighthouse.org forward slash radio downloads. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse. Please send your comments or questions to webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to our show. And we are back. Thank you for staying with us. Uh, The Bhagavad Gita is one of the primary foundations of Hindu theology. It's all about surrendering the human will. It's about honor, duty, the path of action, and the path of karma yoga. Listen. Great is the man who, free from attachments and with a mind ruling its powers in harmony, works on the path of karma yoga, the path of consecrated action. Under our guru, El Moria, we are on the path of karma yoga, the path of works which lead us to the balancing of karma. Action is greater than inaction. Perform, therefore, thy task in life. The world is in the bonds of action, unless the action is consecration. Let thy actions then be pure, free from the bonds of desire. Thus spoke the Lord of creation when he made both man and sacrifice. Quote, By sacrifice thou shalt multiply and obtain all thy desires. By sacrifice shalt thou honor the gods, and the gods will then love thee, and thus in harmony with them shalt thou attain the supreme good. 
For, pleased with thy sacrifice, the gods will grant to thee the joy of all thy desires. Only a thief would enjoy their gifts and not offer them in sacrifice. Sacred action is described in the Vedas, and these come from the eternal, and therefore is the eternal ever present in a sacrifice. Thus was the wheel of the law set in motion, and that man lives indeed in vain, who in a sinful life of pleasures helps not in its revolutions. But the man who has found the joy of the spirit and in the spirit has satisfaction, who in the spirit has found his peace, that man is beyond the law of action. He is beyond what is done and beyond what is not done. And in all his works, he is beyond the help of mortal beings. In liberty from the bonds of attachment, do thou therefore the work to be done, for the man whose work is pure attains indeed the supreme. King Janaka and other warriors reached perfection by the path of action. Let thy aim be the good of all, and then carry on thy task in life. In the actions of the best men, others find their rule of action, the path that a great man follows becomes a guide to the world. Offer to me all thy works and rest thy mind on the supreme. Be free from vain hopes and selfish thoughts and with inner peace fight thou thy fight. Those who ever follow my doctrine and who have faith and have a good will find through pure work their freedom. But those who follow not my doctrine and who have ill will are men blind to all wisdom. Confused in mind, they are lost. Hate and lust for things of nature have their roots in man's lower nature. Let him not fall under their power. They are the two enemies in his path. Hate and lust for things. And do thy duty, even if it be humble, rather than another's, even if it be great. To die in one's duty is life, to live in another's is death. This bears the concept that each man's task in life, his calling from God, is just difficult enough, but not too hard to achieve that he may balance karma, he may sharpen his spirit, he may ascend to God. Thus, if we say, my dharma is too hard, I will do something simpler because it is easier, less effort, I don't have to struggle. If you do not work on and fulfill your dharma in this life, then you have lived in vain. Do not shirk the responsibility of a difficult dharma. He who works not for an earthly reward, but does the work to be done, he is a sannyasi. Sannyasi is the name for a monk or a nun. 
he is a yogi. But he who follows his vow to the letter by mere refraining, lighting no fire at the ritual offering, making excuse for avoidance of labor, he is no yogi, no true sannyasi. The sannyasi of renunciation is also the yogi of holy work. And no man can be a yogi who surrenders not his earthly will. When the sage climbs the heights of yoga, he follows the path of work. But when he reaches the heights of yoga, he is in the land of peace. And he reaches the heights of yoga when he surrenders his earthly will. When he is not bound by the work of his senses, and he is not bound by his earthly works. Arise, therefore, and with the help of thy spirit, lift up thy soul. Allow not thy soul to fall, for thy soul can be thy friend, and thy soul can be thine enemy. Thy soul can be thy friend, thy soul can be thine enemy. A sacrifice is pure when it is an offering of adoration in harmony with the holy law, with no expectation of a reward, and with the heart saying, It is my duty. But a sacrifice that is done for the sake of a reward or for the sake of vainglory is an impure sacrifice. A gift is pure when it is given from the heart to the right person at the right time and at the right place, and when we expect nothing in return. If you give a gift to flatter someone and see to it that they will always owe you something because you have done something for them, you have no reward. But when it is given expecting something in return or for the sake of a future reward or when it is given unwillingly, the gift is impure. And a gift given to the wrong person at the wrong time and the wrong place, or a gift which comes not from the heart and is given with proud contempt, is a gift of darkness. Beware of such gifts coming to you and politely decline them. Om Tat Sat each one of these three words is one word for Brahman, from whom came in the beginning the Brahmins, the Vedas, and the sacrifice. Therefore, with the word Om, the lovers of Brahman, begin all work of sacrifice. So may you chant as you begin your daily tasks the simple Om. Gift or self-harmony done according to the scriptures. And with the word tat, and with renunciation of all reward, this same work of sacrifice, gift, or self-harmony is being done by those seekers of infinite liberty. Sat is what is good and what is true. When, therefore, a work is well done, the end of that work is sat. Om tat sat. Constant faithfulness in sacrifice, gift, or self-harmony is sat, and also all work consecrated to Brahman. But work done without faith is asat, is nothing. 
sacrifice, gift, or self-harmony done without faith are nothing, both in this world and in the world to come. You know, every time I, I hear this, I'm reminded of how relevant and timely this, uh, these teachings are. I mean, they, they, the language is a bit archaic, perhaps, but the meaning is pretty clear. I think we were talking before the uh, excerpt was playing that we talk about sacrifice and how important it is that by sacrifice thou shalt multiply and obtain all thy desires. Seems almost counterproductive, I mean, counterproductive, doesn't it, or intuitive? And that's a common theme throughout, certainly Christianity. Yeah. Sacrifice and surrender, and and understanding how do we get God to uh, be in our temple, and how can we be God working instead of this human consciousness? You know, I wanted to mention something about this this uh, quote from it's from Krishna talking to Arjuna, who Krishna is the guru and Arjuna is the chila. And he talks, before this excerpt, he talks a lot about duty. And duty and dharma are pretty much the same thing. And Arjuna is a warrior, and he doesn't want to go to war against his uh, brethren. And um, Krishna explains to him that we have a duty based on whatever God has given us to do. And um, whatever that may be, it's our dharma. So think of it in those terms. And is it our duty to love? Is it our dharma to love? Well, absolutely, because it's a manifestation of God. You'll have a specific dharma, but it always comes back to your heart, to the motivation of your heart, and doing things with love without seeking reward. Now, you know, we often talk about enlightened self-interest, but you can't do it just you know, in a calculating way because the vibration has to be pure. Therefore, it has to have love in everything you do. Indeed. Yeah, well, and, and I think a lot of times if you do what you just explained, uh, the return to you and to your heart will almost be a surprise, <laughs> you know. <laughs> because you don't do it for that reason. Happiness. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, indeed. Well, on that note, let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll listen to excerpt number two from the Bhagavad Gita. Please stay with us. Right now, all over the world, Warriors of Light are working tirelessly to defend your soul's opportunity to achieve oneness with God. These spiritual warriors are keepers of the flame, and though few, the power they wield is greater than all of the weapons made by man. Founded by St. Germain in 1961, Keepers of the Flame is a non-denominational fraternity in the tradition of ancient spiritual orders. When you join, you'll receive a series of lessons that will introduce you to a vast and dynamic spiritual world. See for yourself. Access Lesson 1 right now, completely free, no login required. Simply go to tsl.org slash keepers, and in seconds you could be exploring a whole new world of practical Ascended Master teachings. Lessons are printed or available online for any time, anywhere access, and anyone can join. Discover your real self and explore your full spiritual potential. Become a keeper of the flame today and awaken to the light within. Please visit tsl.org slash keepers and prepare to accelerate. Those seeking a higher spiritual path question everything. It is the nature of a spiritual seeker. They look deeply at all world religions and know that there are nuggets of truth within them all. The Summit Lighthouse is a deep repository of spiritual wisdom delivered by the Ascended Masters through their messengers Mark and Elizabeth Clare Prophet. 
For over 50 years, we have brought seekers worldwide liberating teachings that include the violet flame, the creative power of sound, and a deep personal connection to the masters of light. The goal of our show is to bring you timely spiritual teachings that are practical and liberating. For a free download of one of our most popular books, go to www.summitlighthouse.org forward slash radio downloads. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse. Please send your comments or questions to webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to our show. And we are back once again. Thank you for staying with us. Today on The Open Door, we're focusing on the path of action. And there are many different facets of the path of action. And two of them are renunciation and surrender. What are they and what do they mean? Here's more. Arjuna says, Speak to me, Krishna, of the essence of renunciation and of the essence of surrender. Krishna The renunciation of selfish works is called renunciation, but the surrender of the reward of all work is called surrender. Some say that there should be renunciation of action, since action disturbs contemplation, but others say that works of sacrifice, gift, and self-harmony should not be renounced. Hear my truth about the surrender of works, Arjuna. Surrender, O best of men, is of three kinds. Works of sacrifice, gift, and self-harmony should not be abandoned, but should indeed be performed, for these are works of purification. But even these works, Arjuna, should be done in the freedom of a pure offering and without expectation of a reward. This is my final word. It is not right to leave undone the holy work which ought to be done. Such a surrender of action would be a delusion of darkness, the surrender being to surrender the doing of the holy work. And he who abandons his duty because he has fear of pain, his surrender is impure, and in truth he has no reward. But he who does holy work, Arjuna, because it ought to be done, and surrenders selfishness and thought of reward, his work is pure and is peace. This man sees and has no doubts. He surrenders, he is pure and has peace. Work, pleasant or painful, is for him joy. For there is no man on earth who can fully renounce living work, but he who renounces the reward of his work is in truth a man of renunciation. When work is done for a reward, the work brings pleasure or pain or both in its time. But when a man does work in eternity, then eternity is his reward. When work is done as sacred work, 
unselfishly, with a peaceful mind, without lust or hate, with no desire for reward, then the work is pure. But when work is done with selfish desire, or feeling it is an effort, or thinking it is a sacrifice, then the work is impure. And that work which is done with a confused mind, without considering what may follow, or one's own powers, or the harm done to others, or one's own loss, is work of darkness. When in the yoga of holy contemplation, the movements of the mind and of the breath of life are in a harmony of peace, there is steadiness, and that steadiness is pure. But that steadiness which, with a desire for rewards, attaches itself to wealth, pleasure, and even religious ritual, is a steadiness of passion, impure. And that steadiness whereby a fool does not surrender laziness, fear, self-pity, depression, and lust, is indeed a steadiness in darkness. Hear now, great Arjuna, of the three kinds of pleasure. There is the pleasure of following that right path which leads to the end of all pain. What seems at first a cup of sorrow is found in the end, immortal wine. That pleasure is pure. It is the joy which arises from a clear vision of the spirit. But the pleasure which comes from the craving of the senses with the objects of their desire, which seems at first a drink of sweetness, but is found in the end a cup of poison, is the pleasure of passion, impure. And that pleasure which both in the beginning and in the end is only a delusion of the soul, which comes from the dullness of sleep, laziness or carelessness, is the pleasure of darkness. There is nothing on earth or in heaven which is free from these three powers of nature. The works of Brahmins, Kshatriyas, Vaisyas, and Sudras are different in harmony with the three powers of their born nature. The works of a Brahmin are peace, self-harmony, austerity, and purity loving forgiveness and righteousness, vision and wisdom and faith. These are the works of a kshatriya, a heroic mind, inner fire, constancy, resourcefulness, courage in battle, generosity, and noble leadership. Trade, agriculture, and the rearing of cattle is the work of the Vaisha, and the work of the Sudra is service. They all attain perfection when they find joy in their work. Hear how a man attains perfection and finds joy in his work. A man attains perfection when his work is worship of God, from whom all things come and who is in all. Greater is thine own work, even if this be humble, than the work of another, even if this be great. When a man does the work God gives him, no sin can touch this man. And a man should not abandon his work, even if he cannot achieve it in full perfection, because in all work there may be imperfection, even 
as in all fire there is smoke. When a man has his reason in freedom from bondage and his soul is in harmony beyond desires, then renunciation leads him to a region supreme which is beyond earthly action. Thou art in the bondage of karma, of the forces of thine own past life, and that which thou in thy delusion with a good will dost not want to do unwillingly, thou shalt have to do. God dwells in the heart of all beings, Arjuna. Thy God dwells in thy heart, and his power of wonder moves all things, puppets in a play of shadows, whirling them onwards on the stream of time. Go to him for thy salvation with all thy soul, victorious man. By his grace thou shalt obtain the peace supreme, thy home of eternity. Hast thou heard these words, Arjuna, in the silent communion of thy soul? Has the darkness of thy delusion been dispelled by thine inner light? Arjuna answers, By thy grace I remember my light, and now gone is my delusion. My doubts are no more, my faith is firm, and now I can say, Thy will be done. There's a very cogent formula, no doubt. I, you know, I love if I may, Tom. Well, um, saying and now notes, gone is my delusion. Here. Isn't that a prayer every one of us can make? We have deluded yes. ourselves or been deluded by the forces of darkness on this planet. And that is what has kept us from being one with God, our path of our ascension, and has tricked us into making more karma instead of balancing it. I mean, that's a prayer each one of us, God, deliver me from all delusion, whether it be self-delusion or the delusion of others. And that's what Krishna has done for Arjuna, and that's why we study the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Because I am surprised, as I've studied them over the years, how often my perspective is not the correct one. <laughs> you know? And a lot of people are like that's that. So it's wonderful to know the truth and be delivered of those delusions. Well, that, that is wisdom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, believing the path or talking the path is not the same as walking it. That much we know. But I was about to say at the beginning here that, you know, the the simple formulas that we get from these kinds of teachings are so profound and deep that we understand that that by the simple statement, thy will be done, is the pathway to all peace, all joy, loving forgiveness, harmony, heroic mind. I mean, all the things that were mentioned, it's all there. It's all available. What I'm hearing over and over again is <clears throat> if you're not concerned about the reward for your service and, and, and your actions, then then you're in the right place. Well, it's a very potent desire, isn't it, to seek a reward, even if it's just a pat on the back. Yeah. You know, somebody saying, nice job. It could be subtle. It could be gross. I mean, could, either way, seeking the reward first is not the path. Mm-hmm. And at a human level, we do encourage people. That's appropriate. But you know that a lot of the teachings of the, the, the Buddhic um, gurus or the Hindu gurus is that the guru does not sing your praises. <laughs> I mean, Yogananda talks about how his guru, he was, the guru told me he loved him at the very beginning of their relationship, and it was, and was decades before yeah. the guru mentioned it again. Well, yeah. did he stop loving him? Of course not. But it's testing the motive of the heart. Am I here because I hear somebody tells me he loves me every day? 
or am I, am I here because this is the path of I have chosen to balance my karma and move on and try and generate the love from within than trying to get it from without. You know, you just said something I think very profound and very much worth repeating, and that is that the testing of the motive of the heart, that that is the path, and it's in many respects that we're led along, you know, that we, we were told at the beginning that we're not given anything that's too hard to do. It might be difficult, but not impossible. But all along the way, our, the motive of our hearts are being tested. As a matter of fact, I was just thinking, if you get nothing but fire from the guru, then you know you're in the right place. <laughs> because the guru is... You know you're is, loved. You know you're loved because the guru sees those things that you don't see and, and he or she is chipping away at that substance. That's the refiner's fire. <laughs> and the Lord chastens those that he loves. Yeah. Indeed. Well, on that note, let's take another break. We'll be back. We'll be back. Boy, I can't even talk today. I, just, <laughs> I think it's rented lips. <laughs> we'll be back. Was that what you wanted to say? <laughs> that's all. <fun. laughs> anyway, after a short break, we will return to wrap up this show. So please stay with us. starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Those seeking a higher spiritual path question everything. It is the nature of a spiritual seeker. They look deeply at all world religions and know that there are nuggets of truth within them all. The Summit Lighthouse is a deep repository of spiritual wisdom delivered by the Ascended Masters through their messengers Mark and Elizabeth Clare Prophet. For over 50 years, we have brought seekers worldwide liberating teachings that include the violet flame, the creative power of sound, and a deep personal connection to the masters of light. The goal of our show is to bring you timely spiritual teachings that are practical and liberating. For a free download of one of our most popular books, go to www.summitlighthouse.org forward slash radio downloads. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse. Please send your comments or questions to webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to our show. And once again, we are back to wrap things up. Today on The Open Door, we're talking about the path of action. And just in the last half an hour, we've listened to two readings from the Bhagavad Gita, the Hindu theology text. And one of the things that was kind of brought out of that, and Sid was mentioning it during the break, was that we sometimes we may not act for fear of consequence and we really can't afford to be afraid to act. Is that Exactly, Tom. I mean, one of the quotes from Mel Mori is, life is not a spectator sport. (laughs) So we can't tread so cautiously that we don't make mistakes sometimes. Obviously, that's not our goal to make mistakes, but (laughs) you cannot make progress. Sometimes a mistake is the catalyst to move you forward. And how many people, I think Mr. Churchill said, failure is the greatest thing that ever happened to him because it was a catalyst to move to the next level. And sometimes when we do things, we regret, we learn from our mistakes. I mean, look at Judas. I mean, Judas is the most maligned soul in Western civilization because he betrayed Jesus. 
And of course, in his mind, he had right motives to try and get Jesus to uh, to act. But he had such uh, remorse over this that he was able to make his ascension before many of the other disciples. So sometimes even mistakes can be a step on your path, not that we seek them. But the worst thing you do is do nothing. Because if you do nothing, you not only do not go forward, but you don't create a solution where God can work to teach you something or to learn from it. And total passivity is as much a sin as doing some of these other things that Krishna talked about. So that's where there's no excuse for staying in your bedroom. <laughs> as appealing as that might be sometimes. We have to act. Do the best you can with the knowledge you have and trust that God will lead you if it's not exactly right. Well, I wanted to kind of paraphrase the point you made earlier that sometimes, you know, learning leads us to pain and pain is the path to wisdom. In fact, I think it's even been said that pain is the price of wisdom. And, and our civilization teaches, you know, our goal is to be happy. Well, what it leaves out is true happiness can only come in God. And to get to God, we have to go through some of this human creation and karma we have made. And sometimes, because we have caused pain to others, then we go through pain too. But the miracle of the violet flame can mitigate much of that pain. So, for example, if you um, do something really terrible in a previous lifetime, if you use the violet flame when it comes back to you, the balancing of it might be mitigated. So the exact thing doesn't always have to happen to you. That's the miracle of the violet flame. But if we're unwilling to experience any pain at all, then we can never find God. The masters have taught that pain is the portal to bliss. And I thought, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) But it is because pain not only balances karma sometimes, but it frees us from the delusion of the ego. We get to the point where we don't know what else to do. God, everything I'm doing, nothing works. I want to surrender to you. I want your will, not mine. And sometimes it takes pain to get people to that place. In fact, I would say almost all the time. (laughs) Pretty much so. Well, you know, uh, on the flip side of avoidance of pain is the desire you would get on fire to seek the big jobs. You want to do the big acts. You want to do the things that are most obvious or are in manifestation, and that's not always the way to go, is it? Well, it's not, because I remember when I was, before I found the teachings, and I was looking at the world, and I was so burdened, and, you know, I grew up, you know, especially during the Vietnam War, I thought, what can I do about this, you know, what can I do? And, you know, I'm just one little person, and then when I, I, I got the teachings of Senate Masters through the science of the spoken word, and the use of the light that God has given us, we can impact this planet, you know? And, and so, therefore, the humble thing of giving your devotions and prayers to God, which nobody sees but God for the most part, can literally change the equation of light on this planet. And we think we have to do something great in order to balance great karma, but very often it can be the little thing. So we are humble for whatever God gives us to do. I remember Mrs. Prophet told us a story about a chila who was a truck driver. Okay, That was his dharma. And he would, every, you know, truck drivers spend a lot of time on the truck, and he would decree or listen to teachings the whole time. And she said, by his, his fervent decrees and use of the spoken word, he was holding the balance for all the other truckers. You wow. see, that was his humble, nobody knew about this, but God, and that was his service. So whatever your lot in life, whether it's great or humble, know that that is your dharma. 
And I think a lot of times people in very public roles or prominent roles or big roles is because they have such an intense karma to balance that they have to be in those roles. Yes. <laughs> so don't envy those that are doing great things. You do the little things with great love, and you will be the greatest success can be on this planet, and you will have a greater happiness than anyone else on this planet because it's real, and as Krishna says, it's for eternity. It's not for a short time. Indeed. And, you know, uh, it just occurs to me, you know, some of the small things you can do as you're watching the news, let's say, on TV in the evening or something, you can make a, a short a short call for the balancing of the karma. You can send a violet flame into a situation somewhere in the world where there's turmoil. And these uh, may not seem like, uh, well, they're not necessarily big things, but they might be the biggest thing that's happening at that moment. <laughs> well, and, and there's yes. so much to make calls on. You know, we have a good friend who is from Nicaragua. And his, I don't know if you follow the news down there, but they've been going through a very intense period there now. And I got the names of his relatives. And it's like a name. It's not just a sea of faces. So I'm able to make calls for them and for everyone else in the country. And, you know, it's a great joy. And know that your call will be answered. The archangels and the angels have to work within the framework of free will on this planet. But they can do a tremendous amount to turn the tide. I mean, we've told this story in the past about a, a soul in Russia at the time of the Russian Revolution who had such light and such devotion that the number of deaths in the Russian Revolution was one-third of what it would have been without one person. So he didn't prevent the revolution, but he saved thousands and thousands of lives. So what you can do is matter. It's a humble. No one's going to give you the Nobel Peace Prize for doing that, but God will give you a prize that money cannot buy. And so that's why we do what we do. The Nobel Peace Prize. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, one of the summarizations of this whole process is to get into the habit or the practice of consecrating your works, whatever they may be, big or small, consecrating them to God and aligning them with the will of God. Because we've, we've spoken of this before, that when you make calls, you make prayers, you want to make sure that they're always aligned to the will of God. So when you consecrate anything, it's in God's will. That that's the spirit in which you do it, not your own. Yeah. Well, I'm sure a number of our listening audiences are familiar with the book um, Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. And you know where he worked? In the kitchen. That's oh, right. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, whatever your work, you can practice the presence of God. Of course, we have a little thing we say in our community is the kitchen is only for the highest initiates. <laughs> right. <I know. laughs> because it involves people's food. But, uh, you know, whatever you're doing, you know, you could be a security guard. Or you could be the president of a corporation. I mean, you can be any of these things. So therefore, you bring these teachings to wherever you are, because that's where God has placed you. You know, another point that we made before, and I think it bears repeating, is that the will of God may sometimes be hard, but the will of God is good. And don't be concerned or afraid that something that you may perceive as God's will is going to put you down the wrong path or in a difficult situation. God is not a tyrant. God loves you. God wants you to be happy. But by our human will, we have separated ourselves from God. As we surrender to the God's will, then that can be the first step in true happiness and lasting happiness, not just for a brief time. But oh, you know, think beyond this life. Think eternity. That's another reason we follow this path. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like the difference between 
human uh, laughter and uh, angelic laughter. I mean, it's, uh, my, I was, my wife and I were out with some friends the other night, and I'm telling you, we just about exploded at just human, just uh, angelic laughter over really <laughs> fun things, you know? Yeah. Uh, it wells up inside you. It does. It does. Well, we've come to the end of another hour. It has just blazed by. It has. And want to thank you all for being part of this. And we know that by playing excerpts, readings from things like the Bhagavad Gita, it's unusual, it's rare perhaps, but the point of this all is to give you a sense of how a path of action unfolds. As uh, Sid said earlier, this is all about testing the motives of the heart. It's about consecrating our works. It's about being up to the task, whatever it may be, and knowing that it's not the human reward that we're after, it's the divine reward, the heavenly reward. Just and remember doing what you things. do with joy. Doing what you do with joy, indeed. Well, Terry, Yes. if anyone wants to joyfully reach out to us, how can they do that? They can contact us. We are at webradio at tsl.org, webradio at tsl.org, and we, we really enjoy hearing from you. Like, thank you, and thank you, Sid, for being there. I know you're phoning it in today, but I think it's working. Yes. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We love you all. You're part of a mandala of grace. We are grateful and blessed. And though the upward path may sometimes be difficult, the rewards are, <laughs> are out, out of, of this, this world. Out of this world. Indeed. God bless everybody. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining us this week. Remember, tell your friends and family that they can listen to us live each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and Noon Mountain on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website, www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.